If you're not doing hiring right, then your business is not going to succeed. But finding the right people is a nightmare. You get sent loads of irrelevant applications, so you spend hours sending LinkedIn messages to great talent, hoping for the best, and honestly, it's just exhausting. The good news, though, is I can tell you about Otter, who I use at my company Heights to hire some of our best people. Otter have over a million users on their platform, and they match my jobs to only the most relevant candidates. Plus, Otter makes sure candidates know exactly what kind of company they'd be joining, our mission, our values, and our culture. This means by the time I get to interviews, the applications that come from Otter are on a completely different level. The whole process is quicker too, so ultimately, we get to hire the best people in less time. So, if you want to upgrade your hiring, check out otter.com forward slash secret leaders. That's O-T-T-A dot com forward slash secret leaders. Friday night when that landed, it was just a really, really gutting message to receive. I had quite a lot of hope, like deep down, before seeing that. And then some of the more informed people in our groups were saying, I mean, this is the worst choice that the Bank of England could have made. You can't really put into words what that feels like. It was was soul-destroying. That's James Mishrecki, one of the founders who came close to losing his business, Life Supplies, in the Silicon Valley Bank, or SBB, debacle. You probably heard SBB collapsed, the largest failure of a US bank since 2008, and the UK entity was bought by HSBC for £1. But what you probably don't know is how close the UK startup ecosystem came to collapsing altogether. This is the inside story of how a small group of founders and VCs fought together to save the industry. How do I know? Because I was a small part of it. What's more, if the story we're telling today hadn't happened, then I'd be sitting here without a company. First of all, you need to understand how SVB was brought to its knees. There's a popular view that the run on the bank on March 9th and 10th destroyed an otherwise solid company. But that couldn't be further from the truth. After the 2008 financial crisis, a bunch of regulations were put in place to stop it from happening again. One of them was creating a class for the biggest banks called Systematically Important in the US, or SIBs. Basically, too big to fail. We have a similar framework here in the UK. Critically, the definition of whether a bank qualifies as a SIB usually comes down to the bank's assets. The Trump administration made some amendments in 2018. That's Chow Jali, or Q. She's the co-founder and CEO at Rosecut, a wealth management service and app. She's one of the people I and hundreds of founders and VCs lent most on in the crisis to explain what was actually happening. They basically raised the minimum asset number from $50 billion to $250 billion. And SVB came out of that list as a result because they didn't have $250 billion. They still don't have $250 billion. What does it mean when you come out of that list? One, you need to keep less cash reserve. Two, you don't have to do a stress test with the Fed the US regulator every year. Because of this change in regulation in 2018, which SVB lobbied hard for, it's worth saying, they were under less scrutiny. They could operate with the freedom of a bank that isn't considered systematically important. And then something else happens that we all witness. 
In 2020, uh, during the pandemic and the following year, all this government printed money again to save the economy and, you know, try to boost things up. So what happened that time is that there was a boom in VC and startup activities and SVB as the infrastructure in the tech sector got so much influx of savings from the startups that were well-funded. And they also serve VCs in the industry. So they got a lot of cash from the VC fund deposited into their account. Here's the thing about banks. Customer deposits are a cost to them because they have to pay interest, like you getting interest on what's in your current account. So banks invest some of those customer deposits to get a return. One of the ways they do this is by lending money to customers at a higher interest rate than the rate they're paying to customers for keeping their deposits with them, pocketing the profits. This, of course, relies on them being a good, responsible lender. They also have to keep a certain amount in cash reserves, not least so their customers can access and use their money when they want, even if there's an unusual amount of demand from customers for their cash. But, as you know, SVB didn't qualify as systematically important since the change in regulation in 2018, so they weren't subject to an annual stress test from the Fed. In SVB's case, the year is now 2020, and they have a high number of deposits because the startup funding environment is insanely good. They are awash with cash from startups, which is costing SVB because they have to pay interest on it, and they aren't very good at giving out loans to bring in revenue. What do you do if you can't get people to take a bank loan with you? You go and buy loan products from the open market. Low interest rate in 2020 and 2021 means very expensive loan products. They literally bought the loan products at the peak. Two things. 2018, they came off, they came out of the systematically important bank list. Uh, 2020, they have a lot of cost, limited uh, revenue, and they bought the loan products at the peak. Of course, everything makes sense looking backwards. But honestly, is it any wonder things went Pete Tong? Then something else happens, which affects everything. Here comes 2022. What happened in 2022? The interest rate went up like crazy. So the cost of the deposit basically went up like crazy. And high interest cost means the loan product gets discounted. So they, made, they started to making a loss at their investment into the loan product and the loss started to snowball. Okay, so to recap, as interest rates increase, like they did in 2022, the cost of a bank's customer deposits also increases. So SVB are now having to pay orders of magnitude more to their customers for keeping their money with them. On the flip side, as their costs are rising, the loan products they bought in 2020, like bonds, are decreasing in value. This is because the value of bonds are inversely correlated with interest rates. As interest rates increase, the value of bonds decreases. To explain further, the value of the bonds SVB had bought in 2020 that are paying out, say, a 1.5% interest rate, decrease in value in 2022 because suddenly new bonds on the market are paying out 3-4%. So, the only way to make low-interest paying bonds like SVBs attractive is to slash the price, 
Otherwise, why would buyers pay full price for a bond only paying out 1.5%? This means SVB is now sitting on investment products whose value has been slashed. They are in real trouble, but they do their best to hide it. And it come to February this year, listed companies like SVB have to do quarterly reporting. So they have to be sort of grilled by the Wall Street analysts on what they have been doing, what's the prospect of a company and stuff like that. So people were noticing, hold on a second, you put all this cash into the long products at the peak and you're making a huge loss. Um, you should mark to market, meaning putting the today's value into your financial statements. And SVB made loads of excuses of why they are they don't have to mark to market and this whole thing dragged down for months. Okay, so you've got a bad investment decision back in 2020, 2001, and you've got bad behavior of the management who's denying that in 2022. And this year, that's trouble in the making. The thing is, people aren't stupid. The financial markets realize what's going on. They smell a rat and the shorters pile in. SVB share price more than halves in 12 months. They now need to raise more money to meet their regulatory capital requirements. The deal fell apart last minute. The shorters uh, smell the blood, the VCs smell the scare, and they started the panic. And the panic developed into a classic bank run. And it's digital days with digital customers who put in a record 42 billion cash withdrawal within 24 hours to a medium-sized bank. So they're not going to survive that. And it happened in the UK, happened in the US, most obviously. So that's the sequence of the main events that we saw today. And the bank run and the VCs getting their portfolio companies to pull the cash is the very last step but fundamentally not the cause of this whole problem. Makes sense, you're still with us. But whilst that was the end of SBB, it's basically just the beginning of the problems for UK founders. On Thursday, March 9th, Chow Chow starts messaging in the Founders Telegram group, which is a community I co-founded and is one of the biggest in the UK. She starts sending messages warning other founders there's a risk that SBB will fail and it's a good time to get their money out. We talk briefly about how we should be responsible founders and not start a bank run, but ultimately most people decide to take precautionary measures, particularly people who have all their money at SVB, like ourselves at Heights, pretty exposed. But I'm in the shit. I can't get my company's money out. My co-founder Joel is the only one with access to the account. This is because, in a bad joke of a coincidence, there had been a bug with SVB a few weeks earlier which had locked me out the account. I try getting hold of Joel, but he's on holiday, in a future time zone, safely asleep, unaware of what's going on. Whilst I'm frantically messaging Joel, James, the founder you heard from at the beginning, is doing just the opposite. Like most founders, I'm normally on the go far too much and I never plug out of digital. But on Thursday night, someone put a message out in one of the groups I'm in early evening, and they tagged someone that's in the know on SVB. And they said, any insight on a potential bank run on SVB? And I googled something and there wasn't much about it. And then I did something I never normally do that night. I put my phone on airplane mode from 8pm. And then it wasn't until I got out the gym the next morning at 8am, I was about to start a meeting. The meeting person was, the person I was meeting was just arriving and I went off airplane mode. And it was just insanity and people have created whatsapp groups and put me in different board members and so on 
Similarly, when Joel wakes up on Friday, expecting a lovely day on holiday, he sees my panicked messages and jumps into action. He gets to work, trying to move our money out of SVB. We take out what we can from our current account, but most of our money is stuck in an account we need to give 30 days notice to make a withdrawal from. This is a situation being played out across startups in the UK. Another founder struggling to get their money out of SVB is Billy Quinlan. She's the co-founder of Furley, an audio startup helping women through sexual problems. She's based in the States whilst her co-founder is in the UK, and they bank with SVB UK as well. They have 100% of their money with them, and Billy is in the US witnessing the shitstorm across the pond. On Friday, the run on the US bank is in full swing. Billy tries to get their money out on the Thursday night, and by late afternoon on Friday UK time, two payments have gone through. But the last one, the big one, with most of their money, hasn't. So it's now Friday, past the 4.30pm cutoff time for UK transfers. The FDIC, which is the US equivalent of the Financial Services Compensation Scheme, which we'll talk about later, has taken control of SVB US. This means SVB is in deep trouble. How protected is the money in the UK arm, Billy wonders. But then something happens which calms her fears and mine. We had a call with Erin Platt, who is the obviously the CEO of SVB UK. And on that call, she was very reassuring. The UK is a separate bank, it's a separate entity. Um, there's enough money, things are ring-fenced. Your transfers are happening. I scheduled a call with my SVB client manager. She rings in an absolute frantic um, tone. And she's like, I'm, I've been on the phone all day. I haven't slept, but your money's fine. I just want to reassure you everything is fine. You know, her tone of voice wasn't very calming. She sounded absolutely <laughs> petrified. Um, but she did say, look, transfers are going out. It's just a backlog because of the amounts that have been flowing through here. Um, so again, at this point, I'm feeling slightly more reassured. I know that we initiated the transfer on Thursday. So if we are in a queue, we should be kind of early in that queue. It has been received by bank. We have had two of our transfers come through. And we've just had the CEO of SVB UK telling us that things are operational and we should get the money out. I'm one of the 300 people who manages to get in on this Zoom call. And I leave feeling 50-50 about the whole thing. I'm thinking if I was the CEO of SVB UK, I probably wouldn't be saying it'd be all right. If I didn't have some confidence, it would be all right. I'd probably just be hiding. So I'm stunned by what happens just a few hours later on Friday, March 10th. Bank of England swooped in to say, well, this whole SVB situation, we looked at it, it's limited risk, it's limited impact on the UK financial stability. So they are broke. Uh, we will let them die and liquidate their remains. People sent me screenshot of that saying, what does this mean? I looked at it and say it means very bad stuff is going to happen because typically when the bank fails, the government would try to find a buyer for them. But in this case, they look at the size of Silicon Valley Bank UK and saying, it's too small, we're not going to bother. It has very limited impact on our financial system. It's possibly true that it's not going to drag the UK financial system down. It doesn't have an impact on the you know, population in the UK. But it is um, targeted nuke to the most strategically 
important industry, the engine of the GDP growth in this country. And I think Bank of England failed to recognize at that moment of time when they made this decision. At this point, I'm freaking out, as are thousands of other founders in the UK. If things had been allowed to stay like this, we'd have the protection of the Financial Services Compensation Scheme of £85,000 per account. So we'd get that back in a few weeks. As for the rest of our money, who knows? We might have got some of it back, depending on how the liquidation process went, but it would have taken several months, and we'd only have got some of it. I'm thinking my business is over. As Chao Cha says, the UK startup ecosystem is going to be decimated by this decision to let SVB die without finding a buyer or protecting customer deposits beyond that. An estimated 40% of UK startups and scale-ups banked with SVB, and they've raised billions over the last few years, way, way, way more than they're going to get back from FSCS. Imagine having millions, tens of millions in your business bank account and being told you'll get 85k of it. I mean, that's literally what's going on. It's Saturday morning in James's house. So that morning was a really dark morning, obviously. You, you wake up to that news. Um, I mean, the first three to four seconds after I woke up, I forgot that it was a thing. And then it just hit you. And, um, you know, it was, it was pretty grim. But what was really amazing is that the, you know, I'm in a bunch of groups, as a lot of the other founders are, um, with tech leaders and VCs and even some politicians in there. And everyone just started kicking into like, how can we make the most um, the most impact to try to to try to fix this? You know, it was a very very almost conclusive message from the Bank of England, which can make it quite hard to even like fight it. Because from my perspective, I mean, can you even get that overturned? I've never been to anything like this before. This is when the magic starts to happen. On the Friday night, I chat with Pete Ward, who's the founder of Humanity and runs ICE, another big founder community. We set up a WhatsApp group task force of key members who can make an impact. We call it Save UK Tech. One of them, Dom Hallas, runs Kodak, an organisation who are the policy voice of UK startups and scale-ups. He communicates directly with Number 10 and Jeremy Hunt and so feeds back to us what the government needs to hear that they don't know. Stuff like the money and companies that will be lost, of course, but also critically the jobs, which were estimated to be at least one million at risk. An open letter is created by Andy Coburn, the founder of Mention Me, and is swiftly signed by 200 founders showing the scale of the potential damage and the volume of deposits they had at SVB. Over 100 top VCs signed an open letter saying they would keep their money in the bank if the bank got bought. It's a really important move because they represent billions of pounds. Founders also reach out to journalists to explain what will happen and the narrative in the press begins to turn the government and the Bank of England start to understand the scale of what could happen. It is within their right to shut SVB down. Okay, they haven't done anything out of their scope. But our argument is, hang on a second, SVB UK is not a too big to fail bank, we agree, but it creates um, extinction level of impact for one specific industry, you know, it's not industrials, it's not consumer, it's not education, but your tech industry, both sides of the ecosystem, the doers and the funders are impacted. 
if it's just the startups are impacted, their shareholders may be able to extend a hand. <laughs> but if both sides are um, impacted, and this is going to be a desert, you know, everyone bombed out. The founder community performs unbelievably. But I have to say, the government and ultimately the Bank of England also spring into action once they realise what's really happening here. They work tirelessly over the weekend to try and get a deal done. I don't think anyone would have slept. Because the thing is, it's Sunday night and we need to know what to say to our teams at 9.01 on Monday. That's one of our explicit goals to government. Are we telling them they still have jobs or not? We have a call in the founders community. Billy Quinlan. That was a very sobering call because the reality of HSBC not stepping in would have meant a very difficult situation for all of those that were banking with SVB. Um, so I went to bed Sunday night thinking, if HSBC don't come through and they haven't come through at midnight our time, then we are default dead tomorrow. HSBC, of course, come in and save the day. I'm astounded by the speed at which everything happened. And like the rest of the founder community, I'm immensely grateful to HSBC, but also the government and the Bank of England for doing a 180 and saving the startup industry in this country. We've taken some lessons from this. The most obvious is to not have all your money in one bank account. But it does go deeper than that. Chowja Lee thinks the whole treasury function at startups needs to be looked at because it's normally just an afterthought. She also thinks we need to ask questions of the regulators and how they make sure banks in specialist areas like SVB are fit for purpose. And James had an insight I hadn't thought of. What also came up when we were doing contingency planning, when you're forced to think in the most possible resourceful way, I mean, there are some things that you know, you, decisions you would never want to make that have to get factored into a contingency plan. But some stuff comes out of it that makes you think a bit more clearly and with a bit more focus and a bit more resourcefully. So um, I think it's kind of shocked us to see where we were maybe getting distracted. Um, that's the only silver lining that I can say has come of this. And so actually what we're doing this week is way more... Um, uh, just a way more laser-focused scope of work than what we were going to be doing this week had this not happened. Focus is so important in startups. This whole debacle is a bit like those brainstorming exercises. What would you do if you had no staff, no money to invest, etc.? I think the final legacy of this episode is the impact on neobanks like Revolut, Starling and Monzo. A lot of founders who banked with SVB also had a neobank, but they saw SVB as the safe bet. They transferred what they could out of SVB to their neobanks, but as soon as SVB got taken over by HSBC, they transferred it back because there's a lot of fear now that a bank which isn't the size of HSBC could implode. I've been on the phone to Barclays this week setting up an account, and it wasn't that much fun, but it's worthwhile. It's been a wild ride, but as James told me, the status quo has never felt so good. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Special thanks to Chow Chow Lee, James Mishrecki, Billy Quinlan, Jeremy Hunt and HSBC. And to all those people who came together to change the course of history in our patch of the business world. If you hadn't done what you did, we'd have been knocked back 10 years and I'd be looking for a job right now. Thanks for listening to this episode of Secret Leaders. I've been your host, Dan Murray-Serta. It was produced by Ruth Edwards and Will Stolleman. If you liked it, please hit follow or subscribe. See you next time. 
Here at Mindset Win, we want to give you the tools to become better at what you do. Taking inspiration and wisdom from our guests, we will hear stories, strategies, tips and tricks. Told by leading names in sport and beyond. Who know what it takes to get to the very top. There will be two episodes each week packed with amazing stories and practical takeaways for us all to follow. Search for Mindset Win on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app.